week between Christmas and New Year. Scott, how are you? I'm good. I'm not sure what day it is, James, but I'm good. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. Adam, I might have actually thought today was Tuesday when we first uh, chatted this morning, but never fear. We now know it's Wednesday, which means it's recording day. <laughs> I actually thought it was Thursday because I said one more day and it's the long weekend. So, um, yeah, but it's good to have football back, uh, finally. And, uh, yeah, look, we'll change to a very, very sort of good night sends the results. Um, you know, up at Dolphin Stadium last night. That's it. Okay, so we're going to follow our normal uh, style if you're listening to the Brisbane Football Review for the first time, or possibly the 170th odd time. I think that's what we're up to for number of episodes. Uh, yeah, we're going to recap all things Brisbane Raw, A-League and W-League over the next 45 or so minutes. If you did sit through our two and a half hour season preview, I promise this will be much shorter and much more merciful on your ears. But um, yeah, before we get into it, a couple of quick plugs. Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that to Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg. Twitter, at BNE Football. Email, send in any comments, questions, discussion topics, uh, match recaps even if you'd like. Uh, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, pretty sure TuneIn and Stitcher as well, all good podcast platforms. And above all else, we are also proud to be back on football nation radio for another season so make sure you download their apps their podcast streams we're all around what they're doing and it's good to see them back in the studio and resuming normal programming down in victoria absolutely we look forward to being back on football nation radio again this year and we will try and get that fixed by the end of the year but we make no promises and by end of year i mean end of the a league slash w league season not two days from now yeah yeah we we haven't Mm -hmm. got a deadline of 11 59 tomorrow night um, as we are recording, it is Wednesday night when we're watching the A-League's newest club, MacArthur Bulls FC, I think is their full name. They're playing their inaugural match a few days later against Western Sydney Wanderers at Bankwest Stadium. Because I'm watching on a stream on my phone, I can't actually see how many minutes have been played. But the Wanderers 16. Ha- 16, there we go. The Wanderers have already had a penalty overturned by VAR. But this is, of course, a Brisbane podcast, so we're going to try and keep our attention on what happened up at Redcliffe last night, or down at Redcliffe, depending on where you're situated listening to this. Uh, We're going to lead off with the A-League recap. Melbourne City 1, Brisbane Raw in front of just under 9,500 at Dolphin Stadium. It was Connor Metcalf on the 53rd minute who proved to be the difference, but initial thoughts on the game, Adam. I thought it was actually a fairly encouraging performance from the Raw in that the good signs that we saw during preseason were absolutely there. They just couldn't quite get over the line against A-League opposition the way they could playing NPL opponents. Yeah, look, this is, uh, I think, forget forget the results for a second. Um, look, I think it was a very, very good performance against um, one, one of the, the, the title favourites. Obviously, uh, Melbourne City uh, finished second in the league as well as the grand finals from last season. And they've always been touted as one side to sort of actually built 
their squad on last season. So they're always going to be in the hunt. And I thought it was a very, very you know, good performance. It's just uh, their finishing just let them down severely last night. I think finishing was a bit bit of an issue on both sides. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of great finishing on show. In fact, there hasn't been a lot of great finishing in the first two days of the professional football season, given it took took into the second half of the second game to get the first goal of the season. But I think what Adam said was right, largely, in the sense that they Raw did a lot of things right in the way that they built up the play. They played really well, bringing the ball forward. It's just in the final third, they've just got to get it back to... I've got to find a way to get the goals in the back of the net. It's very reminiscent, James. Do you think back to the old Queensland Raw days in the first few years, the Raw would play so much really good entertaining football, fail to take their chances, then cop a sucker punch at the other end. That's very much like what happened last night in a lot of ways. But there are a lot of positives to build on, including a couple of new guys who came in who looked very exciting. Absolutely. We will get on to the new guys in a second. I just want to uh, have a quick aside. Adam was wondering what my facial expressions were doing on this <laughs> Skype. I don't want what's going on. Uh, in an absolute miracle, a player just got booked for diving. <laughs> oh, I thought good that's end. I was saying good then, actually. I had no idea what you were doing. No, no, no. It was actually, it was like spot on. Simon Cox got a yellow card for going down way too easily in the box. So I will say, you know, that's a big tick in the box for Kurt Ams. And as you can tell, my attention is all over the place tonight. I was going to say, you're directed to focus on the show we're doing now. Lasted all of, what, 90 seconds? Something like that, yeah. (laughs) But, okay, back to the Raw. What did uh, jump out at me is just the massive difference in styles from uh, what we saw last season under Robbie Fowler compared to what Warren Moon has brought in. And... We watched a lot of NPL football. We saw exactly the way that he set up his team at Lions. And it did look very similar in certain parts. He played a very fast front three. Uh, it was Jai Ingham, Dylan Wenzel-Halls, and I suppose Riku Danzaki can be a part of that as well, as well as Joey Champness out on the far side. But it seemed like they were really trying to push this Melbourne City side and really get by them with legs. Yeah, so I guess that's the one thing we've come accustomed to with... Um, Warren Moon coach sides is that you're always going to be sort of entertained because I don't I don't think you know, parking the bus or playing you know, a defensive style football is in his DNA. Um, and look at the end of the day, uh, the fact that they only uh, conceded one goal uh, and yet you know sort of played you know, attacking football right to the end, I think it's a testament I think as well that you know what the sort of entertaining brand of football that we can you know we can hopefully expect from Brisbane Raw this season. It was high pressure, high intensity, high intensity. But it did put a lot of strain on the centre-back pairing of Tom Aldred and Macaulay Gillespie, who, well, Aldred, I think that was his first action of the season. He didn't feature much, if at all, in pre-season. But he, yeah, I thought they held up to the pressure really, really well, as did Jamie Young, especially considering you had Jack Hingott and Corey Brown getting really far forward. And compared to what we've seen in previous iterations of the Raw when they played this sort of uh, formation with the three-man midfield... And they had a guy like Eric Pardalou or Luke Bratton staying back to screen them. Yeah, it was very much what we expected we'd see out of Warren Moon this season, wasn't it? We knew that last year when he came in, it was a difficult time to come in. There weren't a lot of games left and not a lot of time to be able to bring in a new system. So he went with what was working to a degree last year. But we, I think we all expected, we talked about it in the season preview, we expected him to go back to the tried and tested 4-3-3 that has served him and his coaching so well. And it was fully on show last night. I thought, to your point, the front three had a lot of pace in it. The fullbacks got forward and got a lot of crosses into the box, which you expect of a Warren Moon coach side. And the midfield was quite good as well. Actually, I thought the way the midfield function was really good. You had Riku sitting a bit further forward, and we'll get onto him more in a minute, but he was really, really exciting. But the two behind him were quite good as well. Jay O'Shea p- picking out a lot of players, and I think that's his role. I think if he's further forward, I think that's not where he's best used. I think 
Him being further back allows him to have more options ahead of him to sort of quarterback the play, if you like, James, and to open up the opportunities. He did that quite well. And I thought that Ramanek Bari alongside of him was also very much a really good complemental piece in terms of the fact he was recycling the ball and helping to create those opportunities. So it's what we expected to see out of a Warren Moon coach side. It just didn't quite work on the night in terms of getting the ball in the back of the net. And they did create a number of chances going forward as well. And that's what I want to move on to now. Is Wenzel Hall's leading the line. I admit, I was a bit surprised to see Scott McDonald starting on the bench, but it seemed like there was a clear intent to try and get Wenzel Hall's, Champness and Jai Ingham, who was the player to eventually make way for Scott McDonald in the end. I, I just thought, yeah, that was an interesting little thing. And it almost paid dividends early with Wenzel Hall's one-on-one with Tom Glover, but the city keeper stood tall there. Yeah, it's um well we just with Scott McDonald it was uh, revealed that he he's been sort of obviously been struggling with injury, so hence the reason why he didn't start. But uh, look with that to that to that degree, um I think that front th- that front three um of um Wenzel Hall's uh, Champness and Ingham, I, I thought they sort of did well. They really sort of you know, kept you know that the much vaunted you know Melbourne City sort of you know backline at least honest as far as you know as far as, you know, attacking. And they, they did actually, you know, really sort of dominate after some early pre- after sustaining some early pressure, the Raw. They really actually came out, you know, and, and like I said, Wenzel Hall's chance, you know, but they're, they're the sort of chances that, you know, that separates the good from, you know, the very good players, the ones he sort of, he sort of spurned, you know, but all credit to Tom Glover, I thought he had a good game, you know, overall last night. Yeah, absolutely. And it is one of those times where you do have to say, you know, a young striker like Wendell Hall's probably could have done a bit better with that chance. But in that same regard, a good keeper like Tom Glover probably should have made that save more often than not. So, yeah, you could probably mark it, give him a grade down for not converting that chance. But you can also say, you know, you've got to give the keeper some credit, as I am want to do. That's what with an O. But the player that really, you know, kept the raw ticking over was new signing Riku Denzaki, who made his uh, A-League debut for the Raw, and for me was a standout player over the pitch. Oh, he was absolutely fantastic, wasn't he, Riku? And the way he was just involved in everything positive the Raw did, he was a big part of it in terms of the fact that you talk about that chance of Wenzel Halls, it was Riku who played him in, and you can just see his his quick feet and his skills that he's going to bring to the table. As he gets more and more acclimated to the Australian Football League and the conditions out here, he's going to be an absolutely massively important player this year. For the Raw, I think he's going to be a really exciting player for the league in general. To see a player come for, coming from Japan and having the big impact, I think he's going to have based on that showing. The one thing Adam and I were talking about this in the press room last night was the energy he brings to the game, both on and off the ball, is absolutely dynamic. And it's almost it's it's a small comparison to Bessart Bruce in the sense that remember when he first got here, James, and he was running around like an absolute maniac to shut things down and to to initiate that defensive press. You saw that from Riku last night, and I thought that was something that the Raw didn't have last year in the front third with McDonald and before that Macaroni and some of the other guys they've had Taggart as well. Not the, not that type of player who would initiate the press like that. I think that could be something really, really dangerous because we're starting to see teams play out from the back so much now to the point where they overdo it and they overplay out. Players like Riku who can press that ball there, I think that's really dangerous. And There was a moment like that early on where they did force a turnover just around the edge of the 18-yard box, so... I think there's a lot of real good positives to see from Riku, and I was I was really impressed with him. To me, he was the best player on the field for the Raw last night. Absolutely, and we might touch on uh, who we thought was the best player on the pitch a little bit more later on, but I think overall, the other player that really uh, jumped out at me as well was Joey Champness. He had a couple of chances, and 
Look, it wasn't quite as productive as his last outing at Dolphin Stadium where he scored three against the NPL Queensland All-Stars, but it was still... I was just amazed at how calm he looked and confident on the ball. Not afraid to try a bit of fancy footwork, but, you know, he actually backed up his flair with execution. Yeah, no, he, he was also very, very good uh, last night. And uh, there was one shot in the second half which was very, very reminiscent to the goal, one of the goals he actually did score in that NPL All-Stars game, which the sort of acute angle, which just flashed by the... the um, the, the far post and that, that was sort of reminiscent of the night that you know if, if if the luck was going with him that goes in but um yeah look he, he had a very very um good good you know stint out there and yeah I think um I think we, we expect a lot out of not only um Joe Champers but I think um Riku Danzaki as as a number 10 um and he's just there yeah, outstanding player and is his um and his uh, speed actually on a on a um, counter attack actually exposed um, Andrew Nabu's uh, dodgy hamstrings. So, <laughs> so, so he's already he's already sort of uh, creating victims around. I think there's going to be plenty more um, in, in sort of the coming season. Exactly. Okay. So uh, we we are starting up something new this season on the Brisbane Football Review, at least uh, for the time being. We're going to try and do uh, Brisbane Football Review Player of the Season for both the A and W League competitions and what I'm going to lead off with here is so for every uh, senior match A&W League all three of us are going to have our 3-2-1 votes and one of us is going to reveal them every week and I believe Scott you're going to lead us off for match day one for the A-League so who is your 3-2-1? Yep I've been thrown under the bus first so thanks very much for that Adam I appreciate it but I already (laughs) said it earlier for me I gave three points to Ricky I thought he was the best player on the field for the Raw by an absolute mile his energy and his quality that started to shine through, I thought he was he was dynamic, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in future weeks as he gets more and more settled in this side. So two, I've got Joseph Champ, so I thought he was, again, he was really positive on the left-hand side. His energy and his creative output I was really impressed with, and for one vote, I gave it to J.O. Shea, actually, because in that midfield, I thought he did actually create a few, fair few opportunities last night. I remember one late on, the little ball over the top. I think it was for McDonald or from memory, but I thought he was really good as well in that midfield in terms of Positioning a way to cut out a lot of counterattacks, he was quite good in there, and also his creative play. So I gave JOSHA one vote. Fair enough, and uh, we will reveal all the votes at the end of the season. That's Feel free mark. to criticise those weekly as well. Brisbane Football Review at gmail dot com. Absolutely, and um, yeah, we'll uh, try and keep track of those and organise something at the end of the season, since that's what everybody's doing now, apparently. Um, couple of stats before we sign off uh, so it was Brisbane Raw debuts for Riku Danzaki, Joey Champness, Alex Parsons, uh, product of Ipswich Grammar and uh, Jesse Daly so a couple of ex-Raw youngsters coming back into the fold and making their club debuts and then also it was a first start for Jai Ingham who had previously made 12 appearances as a sub so congratulations to those players now to finish off segment one we're going to give the final word to Raw coach Warren Moon and uh, we're going to hear his press conference from last night, and then we'll be back with our W League recap on the Brisbane Football Review. Well, Warren, I guess when a finisher like Scotty Mack gets an opening like that in injury time and then drags it wide, it kind of sums up your night, doesn't it? Yeah, probably. I think, um, look, it was a, it was a good game. Uh, we had plenty of chances to score ourselves, and um, unfortunately we weren't good enough to take them. But... Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's a disappointing night, I guess, but uh, the performance was there, so that was pleasing. I mean, is it just a, is it a bit of a lack of composure, a lack of cutting edge? What, what do you think went on there in 
Well, look, it's but particularly that sort of second half period when you were pushing hard for the equaliser and then we down to 10 men. Yeah, look, again, I think firstly the performance was there. So we created the chances in the first half as well. Uh, you know, Dylan had a couple of good ones, I think Joe as well. So uh, while we're playing well and creating the chances, uh, you know, that's something to look to as a positive. If we're not creating, that's a problem. But, uh, you know, in regards to Scotty Mack, I wouldn't, <coughs> I wouldn't say that's a composure thing for him. He's uh, made a whole career on scoring goals in any situation. So, uh, look, it's just a disappointing night where, you know, on another night we scored two or three. Is that, a, is that a good thing to sort of walk away from a game against last year's grand final and disappointed that you haven't sort of, you've, you've put in a performance but you haven't sort of, is, that, is that a good Yeah, well, you can look to find positives in anything and, and, and maybe maybe that's so, but we lost the game, so you know, and I, I don't think we should have. You know, we had enough chances not to lose the game, so uh, uh, right now for us as a group we're disappointed. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we'll find the positives in the performance and the fact that we're creating chances, but yeah, at the end of the day we've still lost and, and it still stings. Just on, I'll talk as well, first game for the club, looked really good in that sort of midfield role. He, he was sort of, he was the one that set up that chance for Dylan in the first half, mm. and just seemed to have a real touch of class with him in the midfield area. Yeah, he's a good player. You know, uh, we brought him from uh, J League club uh, Sapporo on loan, and uh, they think very highly of him, and, and so do we. And uh, we're lucky to have him. And I thought tonight he was pretty good. And I think with uh, Ricky, he'll only get better. He's still a bit underdone physically, so. You've also got Masato, who you know, wasn't in the squad. So how far away is he from potentially being involved in the games? Or could we see him against Victor in a couple of days' time? Uh, Masato might be a couple more weeks, unfortunately. He's only just uh, come out of quarantine. So we'll, we'll assess him this week in training and next week and see where he's at. And obviously, another quality player that we want to get out there as quick as we can. But uh, yeah, we'll have to just wait and see on that one. Victor in a couple of days' time, a couple of days' time. What do you look to next? How do you improve the next? Uh, we worry about ourselves and our performance levels and, and how we, we uh, play ourselves. Uh, we know we've got another tough game. You know, uh, Tonight wasn't an easy game, but we wouldn't have it any other way. We, we know uh, when we play Melbourne Victory, they've recruited well. They've got strong players, so um, we'll just go into that game with the, the same approach. We'll worry about what we can control and do well. And hopefully this time we can take some chances. So I'll say a question, uh, Paddy, because Norbo, with the um, schedule being shuffled around because of the situation in New South Wales, how's that affected the preparation for the side? I've said this from uh, the moment they got appointed and we went into the hall, we just got to adapt. You know, it's about adapting and being flexible. Um, it's the same for everyone. There was changes. We just need to make sure that uh, <coughs> we had the right preparation. And I think based on the game tonight, we did have the right preparation. Uh, you know, the way we set up, the way we uh, attacked the game. Uh, again, you know, it's quite clear what was the difference, and they took their chance. We didn't, but but we created them. Um, just one more. Danny Kim was a late withdrawal. Was that injury, illness, or just a selection decision? Uh, a bit, a bit of everything. A bit of an injury, uh, which he's trying to recover from, um, and, and so we, we, he's probably a little bit away from where he needs to be right now. But uh, he was available, but we just felt like he probably needs another week or so to, to get up to speed. So he's unlikely to be coming back into the again. Probably in the short term, yeah. Marco, any final questions? Yeah, good afternoon. Was Scott Pete McDonald, was he, was he a bit of a quad strain? Is that why he didn't start? Yeah, so he's just coming back from a, a little bit of a quad strain. So, again, with a short turnaround and, and the, the lack of um, time on the park for Scotty, he, um, he wasn't uh, past fit to start, but uh, we knew we could get 30 odd minutes out of him. And he obviously came on and had a, a positive impact for the, for the team. Did you think when they went down to 10 men, were you expecting? Was was it? Um, were you expecting more from your side in terms of trying to 
trying to exploit that extra man that you had. The the, uh, the, the what's the name? Yeah, the uh, the the um, extra man. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think when we review it back, and you know, I think we we might have been a bit more measured, a little bit more composure. Uh, having said that, we still created three or four very good chances uh, when they were down to ten men. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we probably could have moved them a little bit more than we did. But um, but yeah, like I said, even in that period, we still created a couple of good chances that uh, on another day we take. Any, um, it was pretty hot out there. Any and the boys, you know, I guess. Some some sort of cramping at the end. Everyone okay? Or any like strains at all? Like sort of hamstring stuff? Or everyone's good? Yeah, everyone's okay at the moment, mate. We um, I think it was more cramping from everyone. It was quite hot tonight, quite humid, so <clears throat> it probably uh, contributed to both sides going down with cramp and some changes being made, seeing so early in the season. All right, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Last nice questions. You gave Johnny Alex past the debut. So how do you think he went out there? Yeah, look, he did not too bad. He came on in a difficult time. So, uh, you know, for him to come out there, like everyone who came on, you know, you want them to make an impact and show a couple of nice glimpses. And <clears throat> but Alex has earned that. You know, he's come um, through our academy and he's also um, performed really strongly in pre-season. So um, he's actually earned the opportunity to come on. Um, got his debut today, so he did all right. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's time to turn our attention to the W League as the ladies were actually the side that got the Brisbane Raw senior season underway at Dolphin Stadium yesterday afternoon. And unfortunately, it was a scoreless draw, as seems to be the case with a lot of senior football in the last couple of days. But... It was it was a game that wasn't short of entertainment overall, was it, Scott? No, it most certainly wasn't. The Raw were very much on the front foot for the large majority of this game that I saw. I don't only didn't get there until about half an hour into the game, unfortunately. But from the the sixty minutes I did see, the Raw were absolutely dominant in the way that they were playing. They created a good dozen or more really good opportunities to to to, to score a goal, but they just didn't. Again, the finishing wasn't quite there, was it, Adam? In terms of the sense that it just. It was a lot of really good play. It was similar to the A-League side, James, in terms of they played really well getting the ball forward to the front. Though When they got there, there was a little bit of lack of decisiveness and should I shoot or should I set up this player or that player? And it just it just, just petered out by the end in terms of they got they were going really well for about 70 minutes. The last 20, when a couple of players started to cramp up and fatigue, it got a bit, it got a bit slower. But I thought it was a, for a first-up performance against a side who are the defending champions and will be very much a strong contender this year. I thought it was a pretty good first-up display. Absolutely. I, I admit I got caught in traffic coming back from my mum's place on the Sunshine Coast, so I only saw the last half hour, but was able to catch a little bit of it uh, once again this morning. And, yeah, just as you said, Scott, I, I thought it was it was a good performance. It was There was definitely room for improvement, but bringing in some of those big names absolutely shored up some of the holes that we saw in the squad in some of their higher-profile preseason games. Yeah, look, and it's interesting that this game could have been very, very different had um, had the goal been given, the disallowed goal, given after 90 seconds, um, which which looked like on replays clearly crossed the line after Tamika Yallop you know, hit the under the underside of the crossbar. And, um, yeah, but look, it, it's it's a good... It, well, it's very disappointing that, you know, that, you know, it, that Brisbane Raw held to a nil-all draw. Um, that, but... It, it, 
it's, it's the, I guess in the positive sense is that you know what when they do put together it's going it's going to be brutal it's going to be you know as a, as a raw fan it's going to be wonderful watch because they they should have been up four or five nil um at, at, at half time and quite frankly uh, Melbourne City they just had no answer I don't know if it was the heat or whether it was just the raw were just were just dominant um but you can tell by the end of the game that it was almost like sort of a rope dope where um, they pretty much attacked themselves, you know, to a standstill. And uh, I think only, from what I count, Melbourne City probably only had one good opportunity, which uh, Georgina Worth, you know, for, for lack of you know, doing much in that game, she, she did well to deny uh, uh, Riali uh, Dobson a one-on-one opportunity. I see, while we're talking about lack of goals, we should have mentioned this in the last team, when a stat from the great Andy Howe. It was... The longest time into a season without a goal was 67 minutes into the second game of the season, which is 157 minutes. The City scored in the 53rd minute of the second half. So we were just under 15 minutes away from creating a whole new record in Australian professional football. So it's certainly, you can say it's a, it's dull, but it's never boring Australian football. That's it. And look, I, and to be honest, and this is an overall opinion as well, on the three matches that we've seen so far, the season opening A-League match, I forget who played in that. It was Adelaide and somebody. Western United. Western United. United, There we go. And the two Raw matches yesterday, there have been a lot of goals, but there have been plenty of attacking intent. And that is something that I do feel like is going to probably change, especially as the temperature starts to drop as we get later on into the year as well. But back to the W League. So, um, yeah, Debus came for Letitia McKenna, Mariel Hecker, Rosie Sutton and Sean Fryer, players 91 to 94, respectively. And for the team selection, we saw uh, Georgina Worth in goals, Winnie Heatley at right back. That was a little bit of a surprise for me. I've always seen her as more of a central option. Uh, Isabel Dolphin at holding midfielder, Hecker wide left, and Gielnick wide right. So that's the lineup that Jake Goodship went with to start the match. Is there anything that you have disagreed with, Scott? Not necessarily disagree with. I, I, I agree with you about Winnie Heatley. I was surprised to see that, but I was pleased to see it. I think of the. the Right back, I think, is a spot for the Raw in this side where they've got a lot of options to work through and to find out who's the who's the best of them because it could be Caitlin Torpy as much as both of you prefer her to play in the attacking third. Winnie Heatley got the chance yesterday. I thought did quite well in that role. And I thought actually the way that worked with um, Isabel Dolson in midfield, I thought that was a really important selection and the way she played was really important. The fact that the Raw, the rest of the midfield had players like Gallup and Yor... Yeah. Dory and Yallop, sorry, I will get that right by the end of the season. But they, they're pushing forward, and then you have yep. Hecker as well pushing forward. So it was a lot of attacking by the midfielders. So for so Isabel Dalton had to fill, fill that really important screener role in there, and I thought that was really important. The thing that surprised me a bit was seeing Emily Gilnick out on the right, because when you see her play for the Matildas, her best work is done cutting in from the left-hand side. So I thought that might have been the option. But then you think about Marielle Hecker, and her best work for Lions has been cutting in from the left-hand side. So maybe... Maybe that's something they've got to look at in terms of maybe they have to rotate that a bit to, to get both of them on that side a little bit of time and, and switch during the game. But I thought it was a very interesting bunch of selections. I actually thought it worked really well. So there's certainly no criticism. It worked really, really well. It was just interesting to see how, that, how it worked out. And on that, and on the decision to put Hecker uh, left and Gilnick on the right, we did see as the match went on, Hecker did start to play out on the right a little bit. And, what actually, I, I will admit that I was a little bit surprised that Hecker managed to run out all 90 minutes. And there was another player that I do want to touch on after this as well. But what we're going to do now, while I remember, 
is go to Brisbane Raw coach's uh, Jake Goodship's post-match press conference. So we'll hear from him and then come back. Uh, Jake, can you believe that you not managed to win that game? Nah, I can't believe it. To be, the amount of clear chances we had and number of <laughs> good chances we created, it was you know it's disappointing to draw. And saying that against Melbourne City is probably unheard of. Um, yeah, I was very pleased with the performance, but disappointed the end result. Um, and that's obviously. Emily came off towards the end. There was that just cramp and looked it. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Um, she was at two weeks quarantine, coming to training. So we're just managing that. Um, but we saw again we brought a Sean Freire on, brought another player on that, you know, not as the same quality as Emily, but added to the team and added to the game as well. Um, I guess whilst you didn't get the result, it does sort of set the platform up. You've dominated the team. It's obviously got yeah. such a yeah. Everyone's raving about Melbourne City this season, the, the Matildas they've signed, but. You know, we've got a great mix of Matildas, but young players and local players as well. So, yeah, it's a good platform to build from. It's a clean sheet, which gets you to the, you know, the final stage coming into the season. So, yeah, it's very pleasing. Of the new players that came in, uh, who impressed you the most? <laughs> yeah, look, I think um, Letitia McKenna was, you know, for me, she was probably man of the match. Um, I thought Letitia was fantastic today. Uh, she had a great debut. Georgie Worth as well, although she's not a new player. She got her day a uh, start today and she was great. She made a one save and one shot they had and she, you know, that was a great one on one stop. So I can't single out one player. I thought everyone was quite good today. And I guess you know, just, it's a bit of a break now, like until you have to play. I mean, it's, it's, it's the vagaries of what's been a very yeah. mucked up draw, but it's, it must be frustrating to sort of... Yeah. You kick off and then you sort of yeah. stop again. We've got eight days. It's frustrating, but we're lucky to play football. We're grateful to play today, and it gives us more time to work on our finishing and training. So, you know, come round three against Canberra at home again, decent crowd again. You know, we should be firing off, and hopefully, we take some of these chances. Okay, so that was what Jake Goodship had to say after the match. And the one thing that really did surprise me from that match, uh, but perhaps it shouldn't have been a surprise considering all we know about her, Claire Polkinghorne, full ninety minutes, and I think she only came out of quarantine about a week ago. Yeah, um, sort of definitely. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, uh, uh, killing effort. But you know what? What? What more can you say about Claire Polkinghorne as far as you know what she means to this side? Um, yeah, look, look her and uh, Kim Carroll did well to to really just you know just stifle the um, the Melbourne City uh, attack. And it'll be it'll be interesting in following weeks, you know, whether this the, the uh, Melbourne City front three where they actually sort of you know whether it was the, it was the uh, Polkinghorne. Polkinghorne Carroll, and I suppose you also as well got to give credit to the fullbacks as well. Um, that uh, that just absolutely shut them down. Or whether you know they're not as sort of you know as, as polished as we first thought with Melbourne City. But um, but yeah, look uh, look the defence. I think I I actually think that's probably their at this stage their best four combination of of having um, Winnie Heatley and Jamila Rankin as their two um, fullbacks and uh, Claire Polkinghorne and Kim Carroll at centre back. It does seem like they've perhaps opted for the idea of let's just get our best four defenders out there and find roles that like just put them in the mm. roles that they're best suited to. And look, I know Heatley is better suited to playing in uh, the centre of defence, but I have seen her play in the centre of midfield for line. So it's not like she's a slouch getting forward and running around quite a lot. No, she's certainly a very versatile player. We've seen her play a number of different positions for lines and I'm sure she could play a number of different positions for the Raw this year as well. But I think, on Claire Bocking, which is the absolute constant professional, isn't she? Just, it doesn't seem to phase her whether she's been out of quarantine a day, a week, or had a full pre-season. She's just always, always available and always putting in stellar performances. But the player who caught my eye was actually 
Letitia McKenna, the midfielder who came over from Perth Glory, and I thought her, her performance in midfield, pushing forward out of midfield to, to move into the front, though, was actually really, really impressive. And it didn't quite work out yesterday, obviously, given the Raw weren't able to get on the score sheet. But she was a really important player in the way the Raw were trying to play yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And that was actually going to be my next point. So perhaps you're a little bit psychic, Scott. Yeah, Letitia McKenna. And as the match wore on, it looked like her influence really began to grow. And look, she didn't seem to wilt under what was a fairly tough afternoon to go running around in. And it seemed like when they were trying to make things happen going forward, pushing for that late winner, it really did seem like uh, she was the one who was trying to pick out all the key passes. And look, the forwards just kept making runs for her as well. So yeah, okay, a nil-nil draw, not great. Against Melbourne City, that's not too bad as well. And yeah, overall, I think there's a lot to be quite happy with. Now, from a Melbourne City perspective, uh, probably should you know, mention Tegan Micah, considering she is basically the reason that the Raw didn't come away with all three points. You know, so not too, not a big fan of her on the Brisbane Football Review right now, but that's mostly just being done with uh, orange-coloured glasses. But anyway. Tegan Micah is a Matilda player, don't forget as well. She's the third-choice keeper in the in the Matilda squads lately, so she's certainly a top-quality goalkeeper, and was on, that was on full display yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, they put just uh, a few stats that came from from that game yesterday, which I guess you know is, is sort of a little bit you know concerning for the raw. And so possession was uh, 57, 57 to forty three percent of the raw, but uh, some of these other stats a bit a bit alarming. Uh, Aerial jewels they out they out um, sort of I guess out percentage ninety one percent to nine percent, crosses forty two to ten, um, shots on, shots thirty to six, including uh, eight. Eight on target to one, and interceptions are three to twelve. So, look, it's it's a good sign. Good signs, and you know, as far as if it does click, I would hate to be the team that will cop it because they're going to cop absolute barrage. But um, yeah, it's a, plenty of work on for the raw, which I think is is you know, I, I sort of say I bring up those stats not as you know a negative, but more so if this is week one and they're this dominant, if the goals start flying in. It's going. They're going to be very, very hard to stop. But um, just, just quickly on City as well. I thought um, not only Tegan Micah, but also the defensive parent Tori, Tori Tumith and uh, Jenna McCormick as well. I thought they were very, very good and very, very brave. And a lot of those shots are blocked, so blocked shots and just scrambling. So yeah, City did well. Um, but yeah, I think Raw. Wow. They if they if they put together, there could be something to watch. Just before you jump in, Scott, I I honestly thought Jenna McCormick always looked better in orange and black. Yeah, so did I actually, and I think General McQuick might be the reason why that aerial dual stat was was the, that way because you know how what a solid defender Jenner is, and we've seen it in person here at the Raw, and we'd love to see her back. But that's probably a big reason why. I'd also question that. What was that possession stat, Adam? Was it sixty-seven or something? Fifty-seven point three. That, by the way, no, that, that's not. That's not. That, that cannot be right from what I saw. Uh, dub, City barely got but, I'm not uh, but just, it. To, just to correct you on that aerial jewels one, that's 91% in favour of the Raw. Oh, okay. So, but that doesn't, that just certainly doesn't, uh, to your point about Jenna McCormick, there's still, um, look, she had, she had a great game, and I think her experience, uh, Marshall in the back there, uh, I, th- I thought was, you know, you know, just as much about, you know, Melbourne City, you know, at least getting a point out of this. Consider my, my comments withdrawn. Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so. That's pretty much all I can really say about that game. Uh, beyond that, the Raw uh, have... 
wound up with a bye this coming weekend, thanks to the COVID situation in New South Wales. So they've got a weekend to sit back and uh, watch the rest of the competition. Now, our final word on this game is going to go the way of Adam. So if, uh, you can have the inaugural 3-2-1 Brisbane Football Review W League Player of the Year votes. Yep, uh, for me, three points to Emily Emily Gilnick. Um, close with a, a tie with the uh, woodwork at uh, Dolphin <laughs> Stadium, who took at least at least four shots during the game and four during half times. But uh, yeah, no, Emily Gilnick, uh, just seriously, you know, yeah, everything that we expected her to be back. Um, and, and yeah, she she's just going to be an absolute uh, monster. Sort of, you know, whichever whichever side of. Of you know, the number nine she plays, I think that she's going to be she's in for a great season. Uh, two points to Mickey Yallop. I thought she as well um, sort of were going goal scoring opportunities. Probably should have had a goal um, very very early on, but which was disallowed. And one point Letitia McKenna. Um, again uh, to to your point before, um, yeah she so she was getting fortunes game position. She she blew a couple of opportunities, but. Look, it's not always a bad thing because it means she's getting positions. And again, like uh, a lot of her attacking teammates, they've just got to get into the positions. And um, if it's the goals start going in, I reckon it's going to be uh, the goals going to be flowing. Without giving anything away, I do think there are there is going to be a very very wide open um, race for the W League Player of the Year based on our round one votes. That that's all mm. I'm going to say on that. <laughs> now, before we move on to whatever we're going to be talking about next. I haven't read that far down in the run sheet yet. I do want to talk quickly about... <laughs> nice preparation. The... Oh, I'm a professional. But um, I do want to touch quickly on the overall Dolphin Stadium experience. Obviously, it was only the first game, so there were naturally going to be some teething problems. And I, I was there on my season ticket. You guys were there on the media passes. I just want to quickly touch on what I thought... It was, what, officially a 9,500 crowd. The first reported figure of 6,200 I thought might have been uh, not entirely accurate that, that was a bit on the low side yeah mm. there, I, I thought there might have been 6,200 in the main stand where I was sitting but anyway uh, overall okay food and drink lines definitely need to do something about that they were they did their best but they were mostly out of food uh, by the 50th minute mark I yeah would have loved a hot dog for the second half but couldn't get that and um, but overall, like in terms of atmosphere, and look, the Den did a really good job with that, and they had their safe smoke display to start the match. Would have preferred the wind not blowing it in my face and making it, making me have to explain to everyone around me that I'm just ath- asthmatic, not COVID positive or whatever it is. <laughs> but overall, I thought it looked really good, and yeah, you really can tell the difference between getting nine thousand to a place like Dolphin compared to nine thousand uh, coming to Suncorp. You absolutely can, and it was a great atmosphere there last night. We could hear it through the through the window last night. The den, you, the den with the and the it was about the, yeah, and the Rockwell. The, the about the same size active supporter group, but in a, in that stadium with the closer knit knit stands, you could hear it a lot better. And it was it was a really great atmosphere. It, it looked to me like it was something around that ten thousand mark, which it ended up being. We we're talking about yesterday, but the one thing I did hear from talking to someone at half time, James, and it's the same as what you said. The food lines weren't. Were, were too, the lines to get food was slightly too long and long, and I think that's something they have to work on. But remember last year they did work on things like this because there was an issue last year with the entry to the ground in terms of getting people in before kickoff, and that wasn't an issue last night. So these things are being smoothed. I'm sure they'll get the food lines issue sorted. And I think it was a really good atmosphere last night, and as long as the Raw can get a crowd 
in and around that nine to 10,000 mark on a consistent basis, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic atmosphere. And you saw all the comments of people down south about what a great stadium it is, this is how this is the future, and how, frankly, it seemed like they were jealous that the Raw had this stadium. And I think if, as long as it's got that atmosphere, James, that sort of crowd figure, I think it's going to be a great move. Absolutely. Adam? Yeah, um, look, uh, well, Scott and I talked about this uh, yesterday, about, about a few, the logistical snarls, I guess, you're calling for Dolphin Stadium. But I think it's, it's, a, it's an issue that, you know, I think that the Raw and Dolphin Stadium, they can't sort of be very passe about. Because I think, at the end of the day, we always say that, um, that you know, obviously the, the on-pitch end product is what will draw crowds. But I tell you what, yeah, having, you know, repeats on repeats of what happened last night with the long lines, you know, at the, you know, at the, at, you know, the bar and, you know, for food and toilets and whatnot, that, that would actually uh, annoy a lot more fans, especially casual fans, more than, you know, what's going on the pitch. So it's something that they sort of need to work out. What the solution is, um, I, I'm yet to see what it could be and what they're allowed to do. But I just think they're just going to need to work on that. But uh, look, other than that, um, the experience, I think, as well, I think is that, you know, it, it was a you know, great atmosphere. Again, I I agree with you guys that, you know, the Den should be commended and, and Raw Corps as well in the women's game, you know, for creating that atmosphere. And it was just a really, really good night um, at, at the game. And I think it seems though the only people that are complaining about Dolphin Stadium are those who could not be bothered showing up or that, you know, are geographically challenged within the city limits of Brisbane, not why challenge, right? But hopefully that, you know, they sort of at least have a look and see because, look, it's like 9,000, as you say, at Dolphin Stadium is a lot better than 9,000 Suncorp Stadium. I don't care what anyone says. You know, Suncorp Stadium may be, you know, a mile better facility as far as a stadium, but for for this, oh, Dolphin all the way. Yeah, you can probably put a lot of those geographically challenged people into that first bucket you mentioned, because I'm also geographically challenged, if you like, on the south side. It was easy enough for me to get there, but the other thing about this stadium, James, is you think about opposition fans in the A-League, I mean, a lot of them have stopped coming to Suncorp in big numbers and they're making it their annual trip because they've been there once before, they've ticked that box, yet we've been to Suncorp, and the atmosphere is not great at Suncorp for the reasons which you just mentioned, Adam, in terms of 9,000 in a 50,000 stadium just doesn't work, but... If, I think Dolphin Stadium is going to be the sort of stadium where if and when we can ever get interstate travel and away fans coming back to opposition grounds, I think Brisbane's going to be one that a lot of them are going to have circle that we want to experience that Dolphin Stadium atmosphere. So I think it's not. It's also going to it's going to be great for the Brisbane fans to have that stadium. But I think opposition fans are going to start flocking to it as well as one of their preferred away days. Exactly, because yeah. remarkably, it's not that hard to get up to Redcliffe from the airport as well. I'm, it's I'm actually not. well. It actually, is easier to get from the airport to Redcliffe than it would be to get to, to the CBD in Suncorp. So, but as long as, but like I said, for those even our away fans that maybe listen to this, um, like I said, there's plenty of accommodation and good accommodation in Redcliffe as well and surrounding areas. So you don't think you have to go into the sea to stay and go have a look at Redcliffe. And he's the mayor of Redcliffe, and we don't approve that message. <laughs> You son of a... Scott, I was about to say he's the Minister for Tourism for the region of Redcliffe. You took that right out there before I was about to say. Cha-ching on the ambassadorial role. Exactly. But the one, th- the one thing I will say, because I'm based on the south side as well, I did think going, going home, I can see myself having a couple of games where, especially later in the season, I look at it and go, is it really worth the effort? And... You know, but then again, I did have those games at Suncorp that I still went to as well, and I'll probably wind up still going to the games up at Redcliffe. But it is a different sort of 
experience, I suppose, having to drive home instead of just sitting on a train or a bus just zoning out. But anyway, that's an issue for later on. That's where the Raw James have to actually make sure they're getting results on the field and providing a compelling product for the fans to keep going. So when that mindset does kick in, they think, no, it was really good. The games were really good. I'll go again. And on that as well, the one other thing that I really want to see uh, going forward, and I know this is probably going to be a bit difficult considering it sounds like a lot of uh, companies are having their dramas getting stuff shipped out of China, which I think is where a lot of the merchandise and apparel is getting manufactured, not just for the Raw, but all around. Not And it seems like for a lot of football clubs around the world as well. Um, I would love to see a merchandise stand coming up soon because I can guarantee this might be Southeast Queensland, but with the uh, breeze coming off the water, uh, I get the feeling that Brisbane Raw hoodies might start selling quite well around about Easter time. Just Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially those games when the sun goes down, you think, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm not fine. It's a, it, it, can get cold, it can get cold up at Redcliffe. Uh, not, not as cold as, say, Redlands or something like that. Uh, as yeah. you know, those who follow the NPL and fly coverage know that you know, wintertime at Redlands is not, is not a fun experience. But, um, but yeah, look, I, I, think, I think as far, as far as that merchandise thing, we've also, look, you're right, and there's someone who works in you know, logistics and whatnot, I know that's certainly an issue at the moment, is actually trying to get the stock out of places like China. But, but also as well, I think we've got to bear in mind as well that you know, it may be a case of um, the whole merchandise thing may be tied up with the separation between the FFA and the um, and the clubs and that. So I'm sure they're working towards it, but um, yeah, look, look, I agree. You need that. Hopefully in a few weeks' time, you'll see that. Scott Windbreaker jackets, James. Windbreaker jackets. That's what you need in Redcliffe. Mr. Pure, if you're listening, just, you know, we'll, we'll take our cut. All right, that's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We're going to come back and take a look at the Raw's next A-League match against Melbourne Victory and a brief recap of the year that was 2020. Yes, we are actually going to talk about that. Uh, We'll be back right after this on the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And it's the third segment of the Brisbane Football Review here. James Scott and Adam with you on a Wednesday night as... We now prepare to take a look ahead to 2021, but before we do that, probably should take a look back on what's transpired over the last 12 months. It's been eventful, to say the least, both on and off the pitch for the three of us. So I suppose, we'll go quickly, brief recap, best footballing moment of 2020 for you, Scott? Well, it's a broad one, and it's actually, it's it combines that what we do across the whole year, James, it, com- it combines our NPL coverage and our professional football coverage, and for me, it's the... It's the beginning of a trend of the fact that players who are produced here in Queensland are getting opportunities at the top, at the top level of Australian professional football. And I think Warren Moon is now the head coach of the Brisbane Roar after taking over from Robbie Fowler in lockdown. You've got Danny Kim there now as well. You've got along with um, Josh Brindle South, Alex Parsons made his debut last night. You look and then at Oscar Dillon got an opportunity down there in Western United. He did quite well down there and. Even in the women's game, James, we mentioned in the season preview, all the players that Aurora picked up out of the MPLW up here. I'm not going to read through all the names because there's a whole host of them, but we are it's short of time. Yeah, that's it. But also, you look at Keely Richards has gone down to Canberra, and Harriet Withers got off the bench yesterday for Melbourne City. So, I think it's really great that players who are, who are performing in Queensland now now are getting their chance at the top level, and that's something which I think we're going to see now with the A League the way and the W the way that it's going in terms of. We've seen an exodus of Matildas in the W League. We've seen a lot of players in the A League who've been in the squads move overseas for 
various reasons. They've been replaced by players at the local level who have been hidden secrets for a lot of people in a lot of ways, and it's great to see them get the opportunity. And in a year where there's been a lot of disruptive football, if you like, that's been a real positive thing for me. Definitely. Adam, over to you. Yeah, look, mine, um, my uh, best mark, I guess, is, is a very broad one uh, because it's very hard to pinpoint one um, one sort of over the year. But I just think the fact that, you know, given the global pandemic and whatnot, the fact that we got the A-League season completed, the fact that we got qu- the Queensland football season completed, I think that uh, to, all, to everyone, you know, sort of the governing boys, I know they cop a lot of stick from a lot of people and they do a lot of dumb things from time to time, but I think congratulations to all those administrators that actually persevered and got those seasons um, completed and done, especially here in Queensland, um, especially with the festival football to close the season. I thought that was a great few weeks um, of just celebrating football. So well done to all them as far as that, that being the best mark and is more in the sort of the midst of what has been a very, very tough time um, globally, not just in sport, just in life in general. Um, at least you have a few moments of, you know, of happiness there sort of, you know, in, in football. Okay, well, I, I was going to say something very similar to what you had there, Adam, is getting that local season back up and running uh, in late July. And of course, in true local football fashion, it had to be interrupted by rain, go figure. <laughs> but just the fact that it then went from you know, getting the season back underway, you get the NPL TV app, and then closing it out with three spectacular weekends of football. You had the FQPL grand final go to extra time. You had a tense uh, men's grand final between Lions and Olympic, the women's one. Okay, that not the most competitive fixture, but it was still, you know, a fantastic doubleheader at Perry Park, and that is something that I'm fairly certain all Which three grounds? of us... Parc de Paris, sorry. Thank you. It is catching on. Put some but... respect on its name. <laughs> But on that as well, just, yeah, obviously getting that season back up and running, completed without any sort of major interruption. And, yeah, just the fact that, like, we've been able to showcase our product in what I feel, admittedly, with some bias, is probably, has probably been the premier state-grade competition in Australia right now. Obviously, you know, there's quite a lot of hoopla around MPL Victoria, and that didn't go ahead for some unfortunate reasons down south but it really has allowed Queensland to step up and I would say take centre stage because the quality of players that they've been able to attract considering how many Queenslanders went down to play in Victoria and then made their way back up for the rest of this season it culminated in yeah it resulted in a really high level uh, product across all three divisions and yeah overall I think it was just yeah a really good thing now I do also want to cheat a little bit and, and take best moment I want to go back to uh, early February, Suncorp Stadium. And, no, wait, I'm actually going back two years. Never mind. It's been that long of a year. I was going to say the Raw defeating Sydney FC, but I'm fairly certain that was, um, yeah, a w- that was a bit further back. Never mind me. Don't I feel yeah. special. Yeah, at some point I've got to consult my notes on when all these games actually were on and not on, but it's been a crazy year. And it, to be, it's just been a crazy year, hasn't it? There's not much point in picking out a particular moment because the MPL season all blurred into one mm. as it went on because it was a, such a condensed season and the A-League pre-lockdown I can't remember anything that happened in it basically it was just it just feels like a different a different time doesn't it because it was just that long ago it's just been a, a crazy year like that yeah yeah no it's uh, it has and like I said 
So I guess, and that's also for me, the, I guess a low moment as well. It's just it's the interruption and the carnage that was caused by a pandemic. Look, I, I, I do feel sorry for our, um, you know, we're celebrating about the, about you know, getting our season completed, but you no, know, unfortunately, you no, know, Victoria didn't have their season completed because of the unfortunate events with, um, with you know, the, the second wave of the, uh, of the pandemic. So look, there's a lot, yeah, it, it really is a, um, yeah, it is sort of, it was a, it's sort of tough time, but, you know, in the end, like I said, we're, we're here at the end, we've got football going on, I think that's, that's great, but yeah, obviously a lot of low moments as far as, you know, just generally speaking. Okay, I did work out which game I was thinking of, it was against the Sydney side, it was the Raw's 3-1 West. win over Western Sydney, there we go, yeah. so, I did get, I did get it right, kind of, okay. And I'll go obviously- with that as my moment of the year as well, why not? Yeah, so, and obviously we do have to touch a little bit on the negatives as well, the low points. I think it was just a fiasco trying to get the A-League back up and running. It was unbelievably frustrating just sitting there trying to see how they were going to get the uh, season back up and running. It's a 24-hour span, isn't it? The back-to-back nights where they were trying to get the three teams out of Melbourne and it just was a shambles, wasn't it? It just just sums things up the way it was in terms of trying to get the A-League back up and running. It was a struggle, but they got there, and that's the most important thing. They got there just in the nick of time. Yep, definitely. And I suppose we do want to also cast an eye forward to the future. And I'm going to lead off what I'm looking forward to for 2021. I'd say based on what we saw last night is just the promise of the Raw being a marquee draw again. I, I think obviously they need to you know find a way to convert their chances into goals. But the minute that the two teams can do that, all of a sudden you're looking at what I think could be one of the more exciting teams in the A-League. And W League. Absolutely. I'll, I'll go with something slightly different. For the Raw, it's about being back in Asia. I want to see them have a real good crack at it and hopefully get through without some sort of ridiculous stuff. Every time the Raw are in Asia, it seems to be some crazy headlines pop up about them, whether it's the stuff about the fine about the whale sign back in Tokyo back in the day, or, oh, thank you. Yes, you were there, Adam. We know all, all the stuff about the lobsters, or Jamie Young, Young's horrific injury with the goalpost, or the game we don't talk about at QSAC. But in general, I think... The thing I'm most looking forward to is a winter professional football season, James. We're going to see the majority of this season played out in proper football conditions, which I think we already saw it in the lockdown period. It was it improves the quality of the play, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, more teams playing in that sort of time period, because I think that's going to be... It's where we're heading anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. I think it's going to be much more successful than a lot of people seem to think. Adam? Yeah, look, I think... Um Thing to look forward to. I think it's just a case of um, just stability. I think at the end of the day, and, that, and when I say stability, that's on a couple of fronts. Obviously, the A League is in transition. You're obviously going from summer to winter. I think you know, with the pandemic doing what's done, it's a, it's actually given this opportunity where you can almost have a season where you can try stuff. If it doesn't work, you know, okay, you know, because like I said it's in transition. But I think also as well, I think what I'm, all football fans you would hope would want, at least the fair-minded ones, is just stability as far as the governance. And that, you know, that there's finally the delineation between where the FFA goes and the clubs as far as the independence of the A-League and the W-League. And and, you know, and also as well, the one thing I'm looking forward to later in the year is the F- the FA Cup, Australia Cup, whatever it's called. The Cup. In the back, yeah, the Cup, but in the last season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because I think... Um, a few things have changed as far as the local front goes. I think the cup is going to be the um, the acid test for a lot of uh, teams in a lot of states. Definitely. There is a lot to look forward to, both on a national and local level, coming in 2021. 
something that we are all looking forward to very quickly is the uh, Raw's A-League clash with Melbourne Victory at Amy Park. Saturday evening, I think it's the 6 o'clock Brisbane time kickoff by the sounds of it. Raw's record at Amy Park, not great. But in the interest of keeping this fairly succinct, Adam, what are we going to be talking about from this game? Uh, improved performance against Raw. No, by Raw, against by the Raw. Okay. Yep. Scott, what are we going to be talking about from this game? This has got ambush potential written all over it, given it's Victory's first home game of the season, first game in charge for Grant Bredner in front of the Victory fans who have been waiting. Think about how long we've been waiting for to see football back per, in person. It's ten times worse for Victoria, basically, given they haven't seen their side play or any of their sides play since March. So I think they're going to be well up for it. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. I think the Raw will improve. Who knows what to expect from Victory? I haven't got a clue. I didn't see him in the Champions League, so I can't comment. But I do think Vic- I do think Raw will be improved, that's for sure. Okay, I'm going to say we're going to be talking about Riku Danzaki's first goal for the Brisbane Raw, and it's a 25-yard screamer. Is he replicating yeah. Petrados's free kick, is he? Something like that? No, I think this one will be open play. Okay. okay, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We promised we will keep this one much shorter compared to our season preview, and we have done just that. Um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Uh, enjoy the football this coming week. Have a happy new year, and we'll be back next week mm. to talk about some more Brisbane Raw football. Thanks for listening. <laughs>